This is Just Football. Hello and welcome to Just Football. Uh, this week I'm joined by Dan S in a, I suppose, a very uh, recording following on from last week. So the listeners are going to get two and a half episodes in a very short space of time. Yeah, so it's like a bonus, isn't it? But a lot has happened since I last recorded, though. It has, and it's probably it's great time to talk about football. Yeah, 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 good time, yeah. There's an awful lot to cover. So I guess we can start with the Euro 2024 draw, which I had no idea was happening. And uh, did you follow it? Did you watch it? Did you care about it? I'm very much like you. I saw a tweet which, like, said who England were drawn against. And I was like, I didn't know that was happening today. Um, so yeah, I was very, very much lucky. But I, I think there's still some qualifiers that haven't finished yet. Yeah, there's some playoffs. So I know, for example, Finland and Ukraine have to. Yeah. Oh, and Wales. I, I don't know if that if that's happened before. Whether this is the first time, but it feels like the team should be decided before the draws made. I think so. I mean, perhaps it impacts planning. Yeah. Better, better be best be planned for round. Yeah. So in terms of the groups, the Euros will be held in Germany next year. There are six groups. So Group A is Germany, Scotland, Hungary, Switzerland. Group B is Spain, Croatia, Albania. C, Slovenia, Denmark, Serbia, England. And D is a playoff winner, Group A. Then they've got Netherlands, France. Group E is Belgium, Slovakia, Rome, the playoff winner. Then Group F, Turkey, playoff winner C, Portugal, and Republic. Any initial thoughts or is it... Uh, I feel like early England have got a fairly straightforward group. Um, I think then you start kind of looking at the knockouts and how long we can delay getting France because I think that's the one the one team we want to avoid um, as, as long as possible, isn't it? I saw that Germany have got Scotland first in, in their first fixture, which is obviously quite big for them. Um, but yeah, I think too early. I, I think now with the Euros, because there's now six groups, it feels like it's been watered down a little bit to what it, what it used to be. Um, so now it kind of you know looks like standard qualifier groups with a mixture of strong teams and weaker teams, uh, whereas it didn't used to be like that. Yeah, I, mean, I must admit, I haven't looked at what happens next group stage. It doesn't quite go to final. So it's going to be interesting. Is it going to be third best team or something like that? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I, hadn't actually, I hadn't actually clocked that. Because um, there was at Euros a few years ago, wasn't it, where you played the group stages and it was absurd that the number of teams that actually went out of the competition wasn't that many. After after the first round, there's um so there's 24 teams, so it might be 12. Yes, there'll be something happening. Yeah, but when we, I suppose, when we care a bit more, because because it will go. I'm assuming I have to go into 16 teams, which means yeah. that the group stages only knocks out eight teams, which doesn't feel like enough, does it? Doesn't feel like there's enough risk of going out. No, so it might be best place. But there we go. Now, the, 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 anything else you wanted to cover off on? Um, yeah, I think that's kind of enough. I think once we get closer to it and there's a bit more hype around it. Um, but yeah, like we both acknowledged that we didn't even know that draw was happening. <laughs> so it was a bit of a bit of a surprise. Indeed. And another surprise for me was the FA Cup third round. As you, you didn't realise that was happening. Although I do uh, know it starts. Yeah, I thought that must be coming soon. But I, yeah, yeah, because I'm guessing it always happens the first weekend in January, isn't it? So it, it was bound to happen at some point. But yeah, I don't think... Not sure I knew it was happening exactly that this weekend. So I guess the the highlights: Sunderland, Newcastle. Yeah. 
big big local derby. Pretty tasty. And Arsenal Liverpool. Arsenal Liverpool. And Man United have also been drawn away for the first time in have. how many domestic fixtures. Wigan Athletic. Wigan Athletic, yeah. Any, I suppose, I mean, for me, there's still a couple of Well, it's not, is it? It's about four four or five weeks away. It's not It's not actually that far. It's just that because we've got Christmas and New Year in between, with, there's yeah, a lot so of fixtures to play. Plus we have the AFCON, African Cup of Nations, and we've got the Asian Cup of Nations as well coming up. Yeah, yeah I think so. There's so. an awful lot happening in football in general. I suppose deal with them if you look at Newcastle, Newcastle United and Tottenham's injury. Yeah. Then you're going to lose more players. Yeah. It's going to be concerned. It'll be interesting to see if there'll be a trolley dash for the uh, transfer window. Yeah, yeah, agreed. It's quite it's quite interesting the FA Cup draw because I always look out for um, Tottenham getting a home draw um, because the tickets for a home tie in the FA Cup are about half the price of, of what we are in the Premier League. So okay. Premier League game, like I'm going to watch Tottenham versus West Ham on Thursday. And I think those tickets are about 50, 60 quid. But when I went to watch Tottenham versus Portsmouth last year in the FA Cup third round, the tickets were twenty pounds. It's oh, just really? such it's such a huge difference, and it just makes it a bit of an afford more affordable day out if you want to go with your kids or a group of you. Or so yes, yeah, so I was quite pleased that Tottenham uh, got a home draw against Burnley because I think a few of us, a few of my family, are going to go um, when it's a bit cheap. <laughs> Very good. You had to uh, give us a live match report. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, because it's a it's, obviously it's Burnley, but it's still a fellow Premiership team. I feel I feel like there's a potential banana skin um, there, and you know the likelihood is he'll probably drop a couple of the league players, and just yeah, yeah, we'll see. That's fair enough. Let's move on. Uh, the let's move on to women's football. So a couple of days ago, uh, England played the Netherlands uh, in the Nations League, Euro Nations League. Uh, what happened in that match was at halftime, England nil down. Then they brought on Beth Mead. That's in previous episode that she was on time with ACL injury. And England went on to win 3-2. Now, I don't think there's any coincidence. It's good to see a, a fight back mm-hmm. from England. But I don't think that's really the story. There's a story that hasn't been I thought I'd try and um, share and describe. So... This week, the Lionesses, England Lionesses, is part of the Nations League. Now, there's something a bit weird that's going to happen as part of it. So it's part of the Nations League qualification and also a five in Paris next year. Now, see, Nations League is your nation, so the Olympic GB. So England need to qualify for the Nations League final in order for Team G to qualify for the Olympic. Now, I suppose to catch or to catch it, England are going to be playing Scotland. I believe it's they need to be Scotland to qualify for. But Scotland are also part of the, uh, the Olympics team as well, Team GB, which is really weird. So does that introduce any play or, or are we going to look at the integrity of players on the back of it? That doesn't make sense, does it? Would I, I can't recall that Team GB have had to qualify for the Olympics before. It feels like they've just been there if they've decided to enter a team. Yeah, they've, they haven't had to qualify in the past, but this time they do. Yeah. Uh, it just seems weird that they have to be Scotland or England has to be Scotland qualified. There's some other nuances, so the Netherlands has to be Belgium. Uh, yeah. If Netherlands draw or lose to Belgium, England win by four four goals or something, will qualify. None will qualify. For and what, what's happening in the men's equivalent of the competition? Is any of those such rules in place that we have to qualify for that? No. It's a bit weird as well, isn't it? And... I've got so many questions about this. So, so and also, I won't, the, I won't have any of the answers. <laughs> so the, the Olympics in the men's game also has that weird rule, doesn't it? About you have to have so many under age players. So, you know, when 
you kind of pick so many almost like professionals, don't you? And the rest of the team is young and up and coming people. Is that the same in the women's competition as well? I don't have the answer. Oh, Dave. I've only, I've only comes here with the facts I can share. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, I have to go away and find that out then. But yeah, that is that is weird. And were, I'm surprised that they've allowed it because it almost makes it a little bit of a mockery um, it, as well. Yeah, it ab- absolutely does. So here's where the complexity is. So if England beats Scotland in the final match, they will secure a spot in the Nation League finals. That's only if Netherlands do not beat Belgium. Yeah. However, so Team GB can only reach the Olympics if a nominated nation qualify for the Nations League and make it to the final. Although, if they finish third, enough to host France and make it through to the final. So there's lots of complexities and nuances. In- yeah. And the, the other thing is really, the Scotland keeper, Sandy McIver. Yeah. Uh, she swapped country, played one international friendly match for England, and then played Scotland. Okay. There's an awful lot going. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. If Scotland happens to lose, I mean, really, from a professional approach, you shouldn't be. Yeah. But it has happened in the past. Teams have. This is not the right turn of phrase, particularly for like a gentleman's agreement and the match in a certain. Yeah. Do you reckon there's any other um, nations that kind of fall into this where we play separately as in international football, but we go to the Olympics and we play as a combined group of nations? Do, is, is there any other countries that kind of fall into that bracket or do we think it's only England into GB? I mean, there might be some, there's some weird things happening in the, US, yeah. the United States. Some countries are seen as states, but that is a state US that might as, as their country. Yeah. Probably not. The, the, the Olympics do do the, uh, so where your country's been banned, but you represent the IOC. Yeah, as, a, as like a non-nation, yeah. Yeah, the International Olympic Committee. But I, I don't know what happens with those. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. very, very strange. Yeah, it is. And it, yeah, it'd be interesting to see kind of what happens um, with it. Like, I, I don't think it will affect the result of the game, but I just think it's a bit odd that we're in a situation where one nation has to qualify for another nation to represent at the Olympics. Yeah. You know, because they're, they're two separate entities and it just yeah, it does, doesn't make sense, does it? Not at all. Yeah. There we go. So let's move to Dan Pete. Apologies. Did he apologise? I don't think he did. Well, I, he probably didn't, but I was trying to be nice. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> so he, he wants us to talk about uh, Paul Heckingbottom. Uh, it's been reported Sheffield United are going to sack for 5 0 defeats. Uh, Burnley, yeah. Any thoughts on that at all? Um, I thought I often find it um, a bit harsh when a manager gets a team promoted uh, and is not able to finish the season um, in, in the Premier League. It's, you know, he's done that work to get the team up, which is, you know, the Championship is a hard season to get out of, a hard league to get out of, and then to then sack him and obviously Sheffield United aren't doing well and they probably should be doing better than but not doing as well as they expected to be doing um but I guess that's just football isn't it it's um just just today's world yeah unfortunately I think you're right just football to be poor hacking bottom I'll, I'll probably argue he hasn't been yeah his players don't look they don't seem to be premier yeah. the problem and who's going to come in and do it better yeah it's, yeah exactly it's a bit of a poison chalice, isn't it? Because, you know, I think every Premiership football fan is expecting Sheffield United to go down now. Um, yep. It just, yeah, I, I would have I would have kept in. Um, but, you know, we mentioned it 
as well is that we're we're now on the fourth of December. We haven't had a Premiership manager sacking yet, or a Premiership manager leave their club, which feels very unusual um, mm. to, to be at a Christmas time and not have that happen. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I I wasn't expecting sacking, and particularly from those teams, it doesn't seem right or fair. But I guess what doesn't also what doesn't seem right or fair as well is he's being reported he's going. To- yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the, I suppose, most with journalists. News is leaked and things happen. And I think Dan wanted us to point out as well, by this point last year, we'd had seven premiership managers leave their positions um, by this point last year. So it is a a big change from last year. I I don't know, outside of Sheffield United, I'm not sure, I guess apart from Manchester United, I can't think of any other managers which are really under pressure at the moment. The only one I can think of, possibly Roy Hodgson, Crystal Palace yeah. manager. But I, just, I think he's probably got the he's probably got the credit to be okay, hasn't he? To to kind of get I don't know where they are in the league, but I think as long as they don't get relegated, I think he'll survive the season. I, I think so. I think this would be his. This has to be his. Final. <laughs> has to be, yeah. I mean, in my mind, they shouldn't have sacked uh, Patrick Vieira. Yeah. Not because I'm an Arsenal fan, but Palace, they need to change direction. They can't play, I suppose, resolute football, yeah. where they're always going to be half of the table progressing. Yeah. Because under Vieira, they were playing a certain style of football. It had improved. Yeah. And the results were the same as what Hodgson got. Yeah. But now they're just playing the style of football. Yeah. But they have got some very, very good players. I mean, Eze is. Yeah. But there we go. Now, the, the thing, I guess cover off next was Premier League madness this weekend. It was Saturday was that's pretty run of the mill results, but Sunday was crazy. Mm-hmm. So what does I'll go through the commentary. Oh great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yes let, let me know your thoughts. Uh, so so unusually there wasn't a twelve thirty kickoff on Saturday. But uh, I'll just run through the Saturday results. So Arsenal two Wolverhampton Wanderers one. Um, well, I, I, I haven't I haven't watched the highlights of these games, but I was led to believe that you know, I think Arsenal took the lead, didn't they? But then they were kind of hanging on um, towards the end. But I think that's a good result for Arsenal. Um, and not I say sorry. Let me rephrase that. It's, it should be a standard result for Arsenal to beat Wolves at home. I think what's good about it is knowing that the other clubs around them all had difficult fixtures this weekend with Newcastle versus Man United and um, Tottenham and Man City. So, and Liverpool playing on a Sunday, I think that was kind of a, it was important they got about three points under their belt before all the other teams kicked off. Yeah, absolutely. So, after 14 matches, yeah. which obviously is good for me, great for me. Yeah. If we think about this time last year, I would have tabled as well. Yeah. Uh, a lot can happen. Indeed. Uh, then Brentford beat Luton Town 3-1. Yeah. Which I, I I was actually um, one of my friends who actually went for a drink with on Saturday night was at that game, um, and I got the impression when Luton were pretty awful um, until they went behind and then they started playing a little bit. And I heard the first half was particularly boring, um, and then it all livened up in the second half. I think Brentford are a good team. It's a difficult place to go as well. Like you see, big clubs struggle going there. But Luton, Luton have got now got Arsenal and Man City the next two games, or City versus and Arsenal. Um, so, yeah. So, <laughs> so I think yeah. they felt like they needed to get a result in the Brentford game to kind of give them a bit of a buffer going into Arsenal and Man City. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Then uh, Burnley beat Sheffield United five 0 Sheffield United had to play us in off. Uh, this was a battle at the bottom, wasn't it? Yeah. And Burnley needed that win, didn't they? Um, and I think that's yes, good for them to get that win. 
and not just the three points, but also a, a five-goal thrashing, I think will help their confidence going into the next few weeks. Yeah, without question. I think it's definitely going to be a boost. It could be one with incredibly poor. Yeah. Uh, Nottingham Forest, uh, they lost 1-0 to Everton. Now, actually, Steve Cooper is someone I could... I totally forgot about him, but I think he's hanging on in there and it'll go. Um, but I, I think, I guess, Everton are kind of making a fight of it. So I, I actually think they're going to be okay, um, which, which is weird because at the start of the season, I thought we were going to get relegated. And now I'm saying I think they're going to survive with a 10-point deduction. I feel like they're playing better football than they were last year. I, do you know what? I do, I do agree. I mean, at the start of the season, they were terrible. Yeah. I think the worst in the league. But I wonder if the 10-point deduction has galvanised them a bit yeah, more. Yeah, it's fired them up a little bit. Yeah, I think um, yes, it's, it's Sean Dice. Yeah. Then we come on to the 8pm the 8, 8 game on Saturday. Newcastle, you know, by all accounts, Newcastle battered. It was over 30 shots on goal. Wow. I think United are... Very, very poor side. Their, their position in the league, don't... I, I feel like there's a few results. You know, they beat Wolves but, and they weren't very good. There was a match a couple of weeks ago where they were 1-0 down and McTominay scored twice in the last few minutes and they weren't very good in that game. Um, and they scraped a 1-0 win a couple of weeks ago against another club, I can't remember who they were playing. So it feels like even though they've picked up, like that's three wins there where they, they were the second best team on the field. And it, yeah. it just feels like there's a few of them which are kind of keeping them in a false position. Was it was it Luton they beat? They beat Luton 1 0, but that's not the match I was referring to. Um, Fulham. Fulham. Fulham, yeah, I think it was Fulham. Yeah, so they're scraping wins, but in Europe, they're cons- scoring but considering. Yeah. Just United currently seven. However, I will say that overhead kick that Garnacho, or Garnacho, I can't remember. Don't know. Hey, Garnacho, yep. Garnacho. That overhead kick he scored last week was phenomenal. And we didn't talk about that, did we? No, we, we didn't talk about no. it. But it was, and that was 1 0, wasn't it? I think that's one of the, the games where I think they actually, apart from that moment of brilliance, they were the second best team on the field. And it's, again, it's just, yeah, that goal was incredible. That was, that was against Everton, actually. Yeah. I think they won that 3 0. Yeah, oh, did they? That's not the game I'm thinking of then. But yeah, that, that goal, spectacular. Right, was it, you've seen Rooney's overhead. Yeah. Was it better than Rooney? I I think um, ability-wise, I think if you took it as a goal by itself, I think it probably was. But because yeah. Rooney did it against Man City in a derby and was a decisive goal, I feel like the Man United fans will always prefer Rooney's goal. But I think actually, ability-wise, I, I think it was probably Gonaccio's was probably better. Now, is that the best overhead ever? Gareth Bale in the final of the Champions League. Oh, Champions League, yeah. It was that because that was a moment in a big final, um, and there was another. There was another one. I think I can't think what it, what it was. But yeah, it's Bale and Rooney of the two that come to mind. So there was um, another famous one in Zlatan Ibrahimovic against England. Against England. Yeah, I remember that. I think that was a. F- yeah, but I don't think he meant that. Like, did he? I think feel like he was just trying to hoof it up. Maybe. Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. So for me, this might be real time. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I always like um, it when someone says that to me. <laughs> uh, Trevor Sinclair. Yeah, well, it was before my time. Okay, so look, look up Travis, Trevor Sinclair overhead kick. Yeah. I think he was on the edge of the air. Yeah. Incredible guy. And I put that above. I mean, for me, Gnachos is better than Rooney. Rooney shinned it in. Yeah. And then, so that that's it for the Saturday. Then we come on to, so uh, Bournemouth and Aston Villa drew. Yeah, Bournemouth were. Yeah. So that kind of... I mean, there was a scenario at one point where Villa could have been top of the league had results gone. Yeah. 
So Lord Joey will be happy-ish, I'm guessing. We can uh, quickly move on and ego boost. This was a really good game. So Chelsea beat Brighton 3-2. Chelsea had a, uh, they had a, was it Conor Gallagher sent off just before. Mm-hmm. So even with 10 minutes, 45 minutes. Yeah, so I think it's a really good result from because Brighton have been playing well and they're up there, aren't they? But they are, yeah. Yeah, I think Chelsea are beginning to grind out results now. Um, it is because there was this spectacular match with uh, playing Man City's 4-4 draw. Yeah. Then they didn't they lose four 0 It's four 0 or three 0 I can't remember. But yeah, then a uh, three two. So they are starting. I think as we said, what they are starting to pull things together. Yeah. I still, I still don't think they qualify for Europe. Yeah, definitely. Which is good. Um, Liverpool four, Fulham. I didn't see that one coming. Uh, no, and I haven't actually seen the game, so I don't know what order the goals went in. Or um, I've, I've obviously seen a bit of reaction to it from social media. Um, saying that actually the goals that were scored were quite high quality as well, but I haven't seen them myself. Nor have I. I can't comment. Although I heard Alexander, I think he scored one, but one was also credited as. Okay. Uh, West Ham United won, Crystal Palace won. Like a uh, game doesn't sound interesting to me. And yeah. then we come on to Manchester City, uh, Tottenham Hotspurs. I think Tottenham are Man City's bogey team. Yeah, they are. Um, and like, this is obviously a game I did watch. Um, I was fearful that Tottenham were going to get an absolute hiding. Uh, I felt like if Man City clicked into gear, um, I, f- I think Tottenham could have won on the receiving end of a big score. Um, and to be fair, they probably could have done in the first half. I think Man City made were wasteful in, in front of goal. I think Haaland could have scored two um, easily. Uh, and I reckon they could have been enough. Uh, was it Doku who hit the post? Hit the crossbar on the post in the same shot? Um, and then they, I think they also hit a post in another instance. So they could have scored five or six in the first half. Son scored a goal and then scored an own goal a couple of minutes later uh, to, to cancel out his efforts. Second half, I actually thought Tottenham were really good. Came out um, and matched matched them. Um, and we obviously got the late equaliser um, to, to make it free. So I think a really, really good point for Tottenham after a few weeks of losing. Um, and I think kind of we came out of it looking quite good. Um, as well, so that is. Well, I think, yeah, you certainly came out of a look. Yeah. So there's a few things I want to touch upon. One is, well, how how did you feel when you did you watch the match? I did watch the match, um, and I, 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 I say I watched it, but I was um, around a lot of people watching it. So how much I was properly engaged, I don't really know. But I was always waiting for Man City to pull away um, and and score a couple, um, but they never did. They got close to. Um, but yeah, the second half I found quite stressful. When we equalised to go 2 all, and then Jack Grealish scored, I was like, oh, can anything just go right for Tottenham? Like, that, that's, I felt really deflated. Um, but then when Kuliesi scored, I leaped around the living room, so that was quite good. And I, I was listening to him, yeah. uh, driving around, and I, when Kulusevski equalised, I did fist bump. Yeah, <laughs> good. Did not, obviously not because I want Tottenham to Man City to win because I actually wanted to draw because that yeah. the best. Yeah. And there was a moment of controversy. There was. I suppose Holland he appears to be fouled. He played on, played all three balls to Jack Grealish. The referee summoned who allowed play to go on and he, he motioned his arms in a, an advantage. So I think we could play mm-hmm. on. Then he blew his whistle at play, even though Grulish was through. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, obviously, for, yeah, well, I think, this, you're going to be happy. Um, I think the referee made a mistake. Um, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. because. But what I think's happened, and it's all very easy to, 
to do when you're watching replays and stuff like that. But if I look at the referee in the position he's in, there was two things, um, I think, when the, the ball went through to Grealish. One, there's about three Tottenham defenders in between him and the ball. So whether he knew Grealish was through on goal, um, you know, only he can answer that question. And the second one is when Grealish first got the ball, he looks like he's offside. Um, by quite a way, because he's in front of the defenders. And I wonder if he blew his whistle thinking that Grealish was offside, but he wasn't. Grealish was definitely onside when, when the when the ball was played. So I, I think he's he's genuinely just made a mistake um, and it should allow play to go on. Whether Grealish would have stayed composed enough to, you know, he still had quite a way to run before he got to a shooting position. You don't know, you'd like to think he would do with, with his quality. But yeah, the referee's made a mistake. Um, and I think you put that one down to, you know, for once we're not talking about a technology failure or a VAR failure after like 20 replays. We're talking about a referee in the heat of a moment that's just made a mistake. Yeah, I think you've made a great point about actually what did what did he... Yeah. It's probably not a lot by players' views, but I also think Grinch's first touch, I, I do wonder if one of the... Def- Would have caught him up. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so Grealish isn't particularly quick, and technically he's very good. But I think it might have been quite difficult. Yeah. No, I think the the thing that's made the most. Because I agree, I think it's a genuine mistake. And and, and also, you know, we we criticise mistakes, but I think when we're reviewing a VAR decision which is wrong, and they've had twenty replays to get a right decision, I think we are right to criticise. In, in that moment. But when a referee's done it in the heat of a moment and doesn't have the advantage of replays and camera angles, I feel like we we should allow for that a little bit more. Um, Completely agree. Yeah. And, and the referee, he did apologise during the match. Yeah. He, he made a mistake. So there's a couple of things here. So one is, okay, the referee made a mistake in general from what on the commentary and the radio. He was very, very good. Oh, that one yeah. mistake. Yeah. Holland apparently missed a sitter from six yards out. Yes. He made a mistake. Who's berating because yeah. he, he went on to there's lots of pictures out there in Red the Referee's face, posted at WTF, social media. And then you've also got a Man City player surrounding the referee. None of them seems to get caution on the card, which kind of goes against the behavior also how the web is. Now, Palmy wonders, well, did someone who but not generally bad? Because, yeah. But then where's the respect to the referee? They shouldn't be crowded like that. Holland shouldn't be in there. Where do you sit with it in terms of, I suppose, well, player behavior? Uh, I understand why they're all frustrated. And you made a really good point there about, you know, Haaland did miss not one, but I think he missed two sitters um, in, in that first half. Um, no one's berating him in the same way. Now, if he put those away, there would be no fancy would win the game. Uh, so he's also to blame. You know, people aren't getting in his face and it's almost allowed for players to make mistakes and then not be criticised for it in, in the same way referees. I, I think... I always think the tweet he did afterwards is worse than the reaction on the pitch because by the time he's got done the tweet, he's cut, he's you know he's had a chance to calm down. He's collected. He knows the whole world can see that tweet. He's an idiot for doing that, and I think he'll get in trouble um, for doing it. In the heat of a moment, I think he's got to remember he's a big, intimidating guy, and it is, yeah, it's huge. It, and it's not you know. What what do you get out of that moment? The referee can't turn around and go, actually, yeah, I made a mistake. Let's put us back in those positions and, and play on. He's just got to get a point where we go, well, I've made a complaint. It's been noted. Now I need to move on and try and win this game. I know I know the human brain doesn't work like that. But yeah, I, I always think his reaction afterwards was worse than his reaction on, on the field. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. So it's going to be interesting to see if he does get the result. Yeah. He certainly should. It's, it's happened in the past, and I believe other players this season have been punished yeah. on the back of that. Even not even just for the, the social media element, but the way he it was incredibly aggressive. And, and if you got so go on. I say what we've got to remember as well is he's a role model. Um, so you know, my kids, for example, they they really like him, and they go around singing a song about him and get Alexa to play it all the time and dancing around to this Harlan song. Now, if he's a role model, he's got to remember that and that he's got kids looking up to him and kids that follow him on social media and kids that will watch those replays of him getting angry at referees and think that that's okay. He, he's got to high, hold himself to a higher standard in, in my eyes. It's difficult because he's frustrated, but he's, he, I don't think he can be doing that. I think he should. they should make a bit of an example out of him for doing it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It, it should be respect the referee. Yeah, and it was a genuine mistake. We all made mistakes. Hollands himself, or pointing the fingers at others. Yeah, lesson learned. Well, we'll see if he's learned. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Is there anything else you want to cover off from the foot before I challenge? It's incredibly difficult. No, oh, just that I'm going to Tottenham versus West Ham on Thursday night. I just thought I'd mention that. Uh, so I'll be at the Tottenham Stadium. Very good. Hopefully the the, the weather will be good. Uh, hopefully the weather and we get a result. I think I'd, well, I'll take the result over the weather. I'll take the weather over your result. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you should expect nothing less, really. <laughs> okay, so Dan, I've got 10 questions. For you. Okay. Uh, all uh, Premier League related. I think we ha- oh, there's actually one thing I wanted to cover off. Yeah. So I was looking at weekend because we had a lot of goals, sort of looking at what is the highest ever total weekend for Premier League. And it's 53, uh, which was actually in the very first... And 35 goals were scored this weekend. That's still some way off the record. Yeah, still some way off. Uh, okay, so I've got 10 questions. And cut off, you'll need to get seven. Okay. Pass. But I think, given your football knowledge... Oh, don't, don't set people up there. <laughs> we'll we just, we just have something anticlimactic where I only get two. And it will be disappointing. But yeah, let's, let's try it. Okay, so I've got 10 questions. We can either do it in, in number order or you can... Let's just do number order. I think when we haven't got um, Dan picking the other question. Okay, excellent. So number one, which player scored the fastest hat-trick in the Premier League? Which player scored the fastest hat-trick? Is it Michael Owen? It was Michael Owen, but it's not Michael Owen at the moment. Oh, so someone's beaten it recently. Um, Say recently, I'll give you... Clue. It was set in 2015. Oh, that's quite some time ago. Uh, I have no idea. I would have, I would have gone to Michael Owen because I know he did hold the record, but yeah, I've got no idea who took it off him. Okay, so the answer is Sadio Mane. Well, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have got that. He scored a hat trick in two minutes 56 seconds for Southampton versus Aston Villa. Oh, so it wasn't even for Liverpool. Not even for Liverpool, no. Right, we're struggling now. I've only oh god. Right, go on at number two. Okay, which player with six hundred and fifty-three games has made the most Premier League appearances? It's Gareth Barry. He's Gareth Barry. Very good. It's either gonna be him or James Milner. Okay, three players share the record for the most Premier League red cards. Who are they? Our Three players. If you get one right, I'll give you the points. Most red cards. How many red cards is it? Did they receive? 
eight. It feels like it should be it feels like it should be really obvious I think one is really obvious I was going to say Roy Keane but I don't think he got sent off as many times as eight are you smirking at me is Roy Keane one of them <laughs> I'm not giving you an answer oh. Vieira did Vieira get sent off that many times you can take say that as your final answer well I've got three guesses haven't I there's three people and I've got three guesses at three people and I just need one yep so I'll, I'll go Roy Keane Patrick Vieira oh there's someone there's someone so much more obvious isn't there listen sh- shall I take you out of your misery if you ask this question in a few more years I'll, I'd say Romero and I reckon I'd be right <laughs> yeah, I think you probably would be <sighs> Red cards. Nicky Butt. Oh, that'd be my three guesses. We'll go with Keane, Vieira, okay. and Nicky Butt. You got one of them right, so you get points. Yes. So Patrick Vieira. Yeah. The other two are Richard Dunn. Yeah. And Duncan Ferguson. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't have got either of those two but it makes sense okay so I'm still in the game you're still in the game well done with 260 goals who is the Premier League's all time top scorer Alan Shearer very good when was the inaugural Premier League season did mention the, the year Oh yeah, but I wasn't taking. I wasn't taking though. <laughs> 93, 94 season. It was 92, 93. Oh, one season off. <laughs> and which team won that Premier League? Manchester United. Very good. Okay, so you got two wrong so far. Okay. With two hundred and two. Sorry, gone. So I've got two wrong. How many questions have I got left to go? Because I've only got one more. So this is question number uh, seven. Okay. Okay. Close. All right. Let's let's do it. Breathing space. With two hundred and two clean sheets, which goalkeeper has the best record in the Premier League? Two hundred and two clean sheets. Oh, I feel like that should be really straightforward as well. It should be straightforward. It's probably some. It's probably someone that's not known as a brilliant goalkeeper, but just someone who's been in the Premier League a long time. I think he was a brilliant goalkeeper, particularly Pete, when he played. Peter Petacek. Petacek, yeah. Yeah, that's oh, brilliant. Okay. There we go. How many clubs competed in the inaugural? season now we did this we have a we did this as a quiz the other day didn't we um we did oh how many extra clubs was this because i thought it was 20 and then i realized there's more than 20 teams to be named 20 what do you think 20 22 i'm gonna go 22 is a great answer yes and also the right answer yes which three players shared the Premier League Golden Boot 
Again, there's three, so I'll give you, if you get one of those, Salah was one of them. Um, 2018 19, sort of set that was a year, two years before COVID. Salah, Harry Kane. I don't think it was Harry Kane, but I'm going to say him because he would have been, he would have been nearby. Mane. Let's go, yeah, I'll go with those. Yeah, three. very good. So, yeah, Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane of Liverpool, they shared it alongside Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't think it was Kane. Um, but, yeah, I remember them two sharing it. Okay. So this is it. It all resides on this last question. But I've got breathing space, so I could actually could just get this one wrong. and yeah, I'm trying to build on tension. No, okay, cool. Yeah, carry on then. <laughs> So, yes, yeah, so you've actually passed the quiz. But, um, this is the last question. Yeah. The fastest goal scored in the Premier League history came in 7.69 seconds. But who scored it? Do you know what, right? Ledley King did have this record, but I think he's, re- he's over the last couple of seasons he's been broken. But I can't tell you who it was by, so I've, I've absolutely no idea. But I know that Led, not by getting any bonus points for that, but Ledley King did hold it. Okay. Uh, so the answer is Shane Long. Yes, that's right. Yeah, Southampton versus Wal- uh, Watford, sorry, in 2018-2019. Yeah. That is the quiz, Dan. You've uh, you've done really well and passed it. Yes, I'll take that as a win. And DP, if you're listening, I expect a well-done text like like Dave got last week. I did, and then it all descended into... <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> and then, so before we leave and depart our listeners, is there anything you want to say or mention? Or No, um, just, just yeah, follow us on social media, interact with us. If you've got a question, um, send it to at JustFootballPod and we'll respond to it. And we're also on Instagram as well. That's uh, nothing from me this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Just Football. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please share with your friends and family. We're available on all podcasting platforms and you can follow us on X at Just Football Pod. In the meantime, keep your head up and your eyes on the ball.